Hello. Huck, don't forget you to come out tonight. I hadn't. Did I get the date wrong? If this isn't... You come on out. Whoa, steady! Sorry. Got a little tail? What? I said I got a little tailwind! Centennial Faulkner, celebrating the 100th birthday of Nobel Prize winning author William Faulkner. They're not ever surpassed when they're the first really great ones. I feel that this award was not made to me as a man, but to my work, a life's work in the agony and sweat of the human spirit. In this program, commentary by Shelby Foote and other writers and critics, and performances by Campbell Scott, Hope Davis, and Michael O'Keefe in a dramatization of Faulkner's short story, Honor, about a wing walker in a flying circus and a dangerous liaison with the pilot's wife. Your host, Stacy Keach. William Faulkner, one of America's greatest writers, was born September 25, 1897. His complex style, which has daunted many readers, often hides the fact he was a born storyteller. In 1932, the director Howard Hawks wanted to make a movie out of a Faulkner story called Turnabout and invited Faulkner to write the script. It was the beginning of a long relationship. Faulkner would work with Hawks on lesser known films like Land of the Pharaohs and classics like The Big Sleep and to have and have not, with Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. You dames, guy goes out and breaks his neck to, well, I might have expected it. One of his stories, written Hollywood style, was called Honor, published in 1930, about a trio of World War I pilots working in a flying circus after the war. It was typical of Faulkner's commercial fiction, with alienated characters, romantic love gone sour, and a wing walker who will take a desperate risk to prove he's a man of honor. Morning, Reinhardt Chevrolet. No, sir, the Model T is a Ford. F O R D. Well, our salesman is ninjas now, but. Oh, here he is. Nice nails, Miss West. The boss in? He's in conference. Thanks. <laughs> oh, uh, well, <clears throat> Buck, I'm, uh, I'm having a meeting right now, didn't she tell you? How much notice do you want to write me off? Uh, hand me that cigar, honey. Write you off? Yeah, I'm quitting. Will one day be notice enough? Well, ain't our car good enough for you to demonstrate? Nice ring. Is that a ruby on it or a taillight? You know, you've been with us three weeks, Monahan. I guess not long enough to learn what that word on the door means. Private. Three weeks, huh? Two days shy of my record. 
You know, you're trouble, Monahan. You never learned to do anything. So, is one day notice enough? Hell, one minute's enough. Tell Miss West to get your pay. I told you he was in conference. That is an attractive blouse you're wearing, Miss West. Thanks, Mr. Monahan. Buck, would you like to join me for lunch? We don't get too many guys like you at Reinhardt Chevrolet. Kinda sorry you're leaving. Cigarette? Uh, not for me, thanks. You're a good kid, Doris. I'll miss you. You gotta go, huh? Yeah, gotta move on. I heard you were a flyer once. You heard that? Yeah. It's true, isn't it? I still am a flyer. Well, why don't you go back to that, huh? I hear there's more and more jobs every day. Why don't I go back, huh? You got a while? Contact! Trouble is, Reinhardt's right. He said I never learned to do anything, and I didn't. Nothing except flying. It goes back close to 10 years, 1916, 17. We weren't in the war yet, but everybody had heard about the aeroplanes. The college campuses were full of British and French uniforms, flyboys itching to go off and teach those Huns a lesson, and us all scared to death the war would be over before we could get in and swank a pair of pilots' wings ourselves. And then to get in, and find something that suited you right down to the ground. You knew the odds were against you. A lot of guys didn't make it, a lot of them killed in training. The rest shot down or else their crates fell apart in the air. Most likely you were gonna die. But you just didn't think about it. Oh! Hang on, kid, where'd they get you? I'll have her down in five minutes. Oh! Buck, you all right? There's blood all over you. It's from the kid. Help me get him out. Kid? What is he? Two years younger than you are? It was his first time up. Yeah, and his last. Stretcher! Hey, check his pulse. Uh, come on, Buck. Come on, come on. Come the kid on, was kid. unlucky. That's all. You did right by him. These guys will get him out. It's their job. Come on. Okay, okay. Let's go inside. White's got some news. Absolutely. No, that's not asking about it. Sorry, Monahan, Brewer, Waltrip, you other guys, listen up. As of 1100 hours today, the armistice has been declared. Oh, All right. Look, don't all of you cheer at once. There will be no more combat missions. It's over. The kid. Yeah. Two more hours, he would have made it. Now, if some of you want to stay in the Army as test pilots, be my guest. The Army's testing out some new crates, and personally, I wouldn't get anywhere near them. But if you want to do some more flying, there's your chance. Hey, Walter, what are you going to do? Ah, oh, damn it, Buck. One lousy crowd. I was hoping to get a couple more. What about this test pilot thing, huh? You want to fly, that's about the only job there's going to be that's got any bite to it. Uh, well, sure, if you're sticking around. Send on the test crates. We'll bust them up for them. <laughs> Thank you. 
So I stayed in for a couple of years as a test pilot. But army life is pretty dull in peacetime. You had to do something to relieve the monotony. Hey, Waldrip! Yeah? Make this thing go any faster? Wide open! Hey, Waldrip! Yeah? What's that growing down there? Uh, white cotton! <laughs> That's what I thought. Nice and soft. Monahan! Where you going? Monahan? What are you not? Keep it steady. I want to try something. Monahan, we're 3,000 feet up. Get back in that seat. I'm just going out for a little walk. Monahan, if I tip the wing, you're dead. That cotton ain't going to do a thing. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Look out. Uh, no Waldrip got used to it. He was bored too, in the peacetime army. Nothing to do but lay around and lie your head off all day and play poker all night. And isolation is bad for poker. You lose on tick, and on tick you always plunge. Not long after that I was out again. After four years, a sieve again. That's when I got my first car selling job. For a week, anyway. <coughs> hey, Buck. Drinking alone? Hey, Jack. Sit down. Yeah. Well, I uh, heard you got a civilian job. About time. Yeah, selling cars. Oh, how is that? Well, today I get a call. Uh huh. The lady says she wants a demo drive. Ooh. Drive up to the house, what happens? The whole family piles in. Oh. They want to go shopping. So here I am, dodging traffic, taking them to the grocery store on a busy day. Yeah. She tells me her husband wanted her to look at the car, but she wouldn't have it because it's too hard to park. Oh, how does she know? I guess she wanted one you could fold up and lean against a fire plug. Well, <laughs> a job beats drifting, you know. Oh, yeah? Uh, hey, listen, you hear about this barnstorming circus in town? They're looking for a wing walker. You've done a little of that, right? Pilot's name is Rogers. He's a good pilot. Got him a looker for a wife, too. I hear she's unhappy. She's your own man. That's what they say. I'll give you a note to take with you. She want a new job. So I went out to the aerodrome, looking for this guy, Rogers. And that's how it all began. Buddy. Here you're looking for somebody to do some kind of crazy wing walking stunt. Yeah, you ever done any? Well, sounds pretty dangerous. Guess you must pay a pretty good price for somebody to stick their neck out like that. Monahan! I don't believe it. Waldrip, old buddy! <laughs> what the hell are you doing here? I could ask you that. Gonna try a little wing walking like you used to do? Hey, <laughs> I thought you never did any wing walking. Did I say that? Well, if you want the job, you got it. Fifty bucks every time you go up. Fifty bucks? That's twice what I pay the pilot, so don't start. There's other guys that'll do it for less. Be here tomorrow at 8. A.M. He don't take no for an answer, does he? I can't believe you ended up here, you old dog. Come on. The pilot they use for wing walking is over there. Oh, yeah. Rogers? Yeah. He's a regular guy. Flew a camel with the Brits. I hear he's married. <laughs> so am I, if I can ever get her to come out here from California. Hey, Rogers! This here's an old buddy. 
ex-test pilot and a hell of a wing walker, Buck Monahan. Howard Rodgers. I hope you fly straighter than Walter. Maybe. He was one of these lean, quiet-looking birds. I said to myself he was just the kind that would marry a flighty, passionate, good-looking woman they used to catch during the war with a set of wings, then have her run out on him the first chance she got. But I didn't get to meet her until a week or so later when Rogers decided I was okay and invited me over for dinner. I expected to find a woman surrounded by ostrich plumes and Woolworth incense, smoking cigarettes on the divan while Rogers ran out to the corner delicatessen for sliced ham and potato salad on paper plates. But I was wrong. She came in with an apron on over one of these little pale, squashy dresses with flour or something on her arms, without apologizing or flurrying around or anything. I ended up helping her cook and wash the dishes. Howard's told me about you. Howard? My husband. Oh, Howard. Rogers. What, uh, what did he tell you? I expect you'll find this pretty dull for spending the evening having to help cook your own dinner. I, I imagine you'd rather go out to dance with a couple of bottles of gin. Why do you think that? Don't I look like I could do anything else? Don't you? Come on in here. Got a fire lit. Buck was helping me do the dishes. Oh, don't spoil her, Buck. Well, I... It's very nice of you to have me over. I usually eat out of a can. Here, by the fire, darling. It's nice and warm. Let's turn the lights off. I know you had a dull time tonight, Buck. Howard suggested that we go out for dinner and to dance somewhere, but... I told him you just have to take us as we are, first as well as later. You sorry? He's not sorry. No, I'm not sorry. We don't expect you to enjoy doing this any more than we do. It's because we're so poor, we're just an aviator. Just an aviator. Did you get that, Buck? Well, um, Howard can fly well enough for two people, so that's all right, too. When he told me you were just a flyer, too, I said, my lord, a wing walker? When you were choosing a family friend, why didn't you choose a man we could invite to dinner a week ahead and not only count on his being there, Nicole. but on his taking us out and spending his money on us. He had to choose one that's as poor as we are. Patience isn't one of Nicole's strongest virtues. We'll have to find Buck a girl, too. He's gonna get tired of just us someday. You know how they say things like that? Yeah, like what things? Uh, more coffee. What about you, Doris? Sure. Things that sound like they mean something until you look at them. And their eyes are perfectly blank and you wonder if they were even thinking about you, let alone talking about you. What do you think I'm thinking about? Uh, you're thinking this is a long story and the boss is starting to wonder. No. I was thinking, I bet this Nicole fell for you. Hook, line, and sinker. No. She knew better than that. She knew I was as poor as Rogers was. Sure, I was making more money walking the wing, but how many times was I going to do it before I took a dive? All right, folks, look to the skies. Look to the skies now for a daredevil dance with death. The incredible Mr. Wing 
Walker will perform his incredible feat at a height of half a mile. You're not high enough yet? Another 500. Never done it for an audience. You're just ants. All right, all right. Here it goes. Balance! Strong balance! Just look where you're going! That crowd doesn't see this, I ain't doing it again! There they go, folks! Heading up to 3,000 feet for Mr. Wing Walker at his dance of death as he holds on for a loop-de-loop! Got the rope? Check! Ready for the loop? Hold it, hold it! Let me crouch! I was going over to their place more and more. She looked about 16 in that apron of hers. By now she'd bought one for me. Well, what is there in this icebox that wants to cook itself for dinner? Don't bother to look. I got an idea. We're going out. Dinner's on me. Buck, you're crazy. Mr. Wingwalker's feeling flush tonight. You didn't tell me they had a band here, Buck. Excuse me, there's a guy over there I have to see. Be back in a second. Sure. You know, I, I didn't mean that like it sounded. There wasn't a hint to take us out. Did you mean that about getting me a girl? You said that a few nights ago. Well, maybe you'd find me a girl, too. That's what you want? A man doesn't always know that. Seems like you can see better than I can. I think you need a woman, Buck. Why don't you two come by my place afterwards, for a nightcap? Howard doesn't drink. I know. Come by anyway. This is it. <clears throat> Something wet. I bet there won't be a show tomorrow. Got a phone? It's down the block. Pool hall. Be right back. Don't get wet. Aren't you gonna invite me in? Stay. You might as well stay the night. Take my bed and I'll sleep out here. On what? There's a chair. You're gonna catch a flood if you go out in this. I guess this is what I thought your place would look like. It's all I need. I wonder. Yeah. I'm shivering. I ought to get out of these things. Yeah, I, uh, I got some things you can wear. I was right. No show tomorrow. Well, how about something to drink? It's okay, I'm beat. You, uh, you guys take my bed. I'll sleep out here. No. I sleep out here half the time anyway. Thanks. See you in the morning. Good night, Buck.
He's awfully sweet. What are you doing? Just my makeup. Getting it off. You're getting powder on his dresser. <laughs> he still be smelling you when he goes to bed tomorrow night. Buck won't mind. After that night, nobody said anything more about finding me a girl. But after a while, when there was a high step or any of those little things men do for women that means touching them, she turned to me like it was me was her husband and not him. Buck, Howard's got two left feet tonight. I'm ready to switch. This isn't my music anyway. Go on, Buck. Sure. Not too close. He doesn't care. Mm. Hello. I'm not gonna. Buck, I. What are you doing? Howard, is that you? What are you. Listen. Just give me the. What's going on? Buck. No. Don't forget you're to come out tonight. I hadn't. Did I get the date wrong? If this isn't the night... You come on out. Goodbye. When I got there that night, he met me. His face looked like it always did, but I didn't go in. Come on in. Howard, well, maybe I got the date wrong. If you just tell Nicole. Come on in. Nicole. I just can't stick it. I've tried and tried, but I just can't stand it. You know where the money goes, what uh, my insurance rates are. If something happened, where would you be? Where am I anyway? What tenement woman hasn't got more than I have? Why don't you quit and do something that you can get a decent insurance rate like other men? Uh, folks, I have to be getting along. No, don't go. No, I'll, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> Let me walk you out. Look, Rogers, uh, I've got a little steak. I guess because I've eaten so much of your grub, I haven't had time to spend it, so if it's anything urgent... Um... Of course, I wouldn't try to muscle in where I... I wouldn't if I were you. See you at the field tomorrow. Sure. I didn't see her for almost a week. Didn't hear from her. She was on a visit, he said, to her mother's. For the next two weeks, I was with Rogers every day. When I was out on top, I'd look back at his face behind the goggles, but we never mentioned her name until one day he told me she was home again and that I was invited out to dinner that night. It was in the afternoon. He was busy all that day hopping passengers, so I was doing nothing, just killing time, waiting for evening and thinking about her, wondering some, but mostly just thinking about her being home again, breathing the same smoke and soot I was breathing, when all of a sudden, go out there, now, at once. She was alone, reading in front of the fire. Hello, Buck. It was like gasoline from a broken line blazing up around you. 
It was funny. When I'd be out on top, I'd look back at his face behind the windscreen, wondering what he knew. He must have known almost at once. Well, I say, she didn't have any discretion at all. She'd say and do things, you know. Insist on sitting close to me. Touching me in that different way from when you hold an umbrella or a raincoat over them. And such that any man can tell at one look when she thought he might not see. Not when she thought he couldn't, but when she thought maybe he wouldn't. Okay, I'm going out. Jack, I'm ready for you, Buck. Huh? I said... I'm ready for you, Buck. Okay. When I'd unfasten my belt and crawl out, I'd look back at his face and wonder what he was thinking, how much he knew or suspected. I'm starting to loop, Buck. Whoa, steady! Sorry. Got a little tail. What? I said I got a little tailwind. Okay. Can you believe it, ladies and gentlemen? Mr. Wing Walker keeps his balance on a loop-de-loop. Here they go! Over and... I believe, yes, I believe he's still standing, ladies and gentlemen. A big hand for Mr. Wing Walker. Then we got a spell of wet weather. Nobody was flying, so Rogers was home with Nicole. I didn't see either of them for four or five days. Waldrop and I were playing cards like we used to with a couple of other guys. Waldrop was down. Word was he'd heard his wife was playing around out in California. He was desperate to bring her back east. But his luck had turned lousy. All right, gentlemen, one more round. Here we go. Two, two for me. Over me. Full boat. Damn it. Maybe we better call it quits, Waldrop. That's better than 500 you lost. You lost 200 last night. Uh uh. Deal another hand. Come on. I ain't done yet. Oh, I don't want to take the man's. Ooh, we uh, look in about we could try it again now. tomorrow night. I said deal it. All right. What's up, Waldrop? Something bothering you? I can't believe it, Ruffin. You thrown in already? Here. There's a check. You can take it to the bank tomorrow. It'll be good. Now forget it. There ain't any rush. Take it. Well, what are you waiting for? Hell, I know you want to get things settled with your wife out in California. Just keep the money and then we'll... Where are you going? That's it. It's late. Sit down. What's the matter? You yell or something? Now you're winning? You don't want to play anymore? Okay. That's the way you want it. Somebody else deal. So I kept on winning. I would have paid to lose. Ain't got any more luck in it. Damn it! Waldrop, I don't think you ought to play anymore. Waldrop? I'll get some money. I'll get it. Look, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'll cut you. Double or quit, one time. If I win, I'll take your promise to pay. If you win, we quit. We got a deal? Yeah. Yeah, it's a deal. You first. <sighs> Queen. Damn, well, that beats me. I won't even cut. Uh-uh. Cut a card. It's your cut. Well, what's the use? 
I ain't one until you take your turn. The odds would be against me even if we had a full deck. Take your turn, Monahan. Take it! You're acting like a coward. Now go on, take it! All right, all right. I don't know what you're so sore about, Waldrop, but after this, it's over. Ooh. Ooh. Damn. When you're down, you're down. Oh, that beat it to death. Listen, Waldrop, I'm going to tear up your checks. You got a wife and I don't even need the money. Shut up, bastard! And go to hell! Your card beat mine and it's final! Now just get the hell out! Oh yeah! Out! All right, all right. I couldn't offer him the checks again. I'll let a man who's worked up curse me once, but I won't let him twice. I left him sitting at the table in his shirt sleeves and his collar open, looking at the ace I'd beaten him with. Rogers! Yeah? You don't need me today, do you? No, go ahead and take the day off. Do whatever you were planning on doing. Yeah. Buck! I've been waiting for you all morning. Baby. Let's go back inside. Rogers is going to find out. Buck, do you love me? Sure, I love you, baby, but I just... I don't want Rogers to find out. He's going to find out. I don't feel right. He's had his chance, Buck, and neither one of us is happy. Look, if it had been me that knew you first and married you, and he was the one that came along later, I would have had my chance then. Now I've got to put myself in his... Who's that? What the hell is that? Oh, my God, it looks like... Waldrop, he's, he's diving that plane way too fast. He'll tear the wings off. Oh, my... No! Waldrop. Waldrop. Oh, God. Buck, promise me you'll give it up. Give it up? I love you. Buck, I don't want to lose you, ever. So we had the funeral. I paid for it, then sent the money I'd won out to his widow in California. Meantime, I kept going out there in the afternoons when Rogers was busy. I'd stall around until I saw that he would be lined up for the rest of the day. Then I'd give some excuse and beat it. One afternoon, I was all ready to go, waiting for him to take off, when he suddenly cut the gun. Fuck! Don't go off! I want to see ya! What about? I'll be down in half an hour. So I knew he knew then, and I waited until he made the last hop and was taking off his monkey suit in the office. He looked at me, and I looked at him. Come out to dinner. Well, I, uh, I kind of had other plans. Come out to dinner. Nicole's expecting you. You'll come, won't you? Won't you, Buck? When I came in, they were waiting. She had on one of those little squashy dresses, and she came and put her arms around me and kissed me with him watching. Buck. Buck. Uh, Nicole. It's all right, Buck. He knows. He... he knows? I'm going with you. We've talked it over and have both agreed that we couldn't love one another anymore after this and that this is the only sensible thing to do. And he can find a woman he can love. A woman that's not bad like I am. Well, Buck? I wasn't thinking about her at all. 
I was thinking that he and I were upstairs and me out on top, and I had just found that he had thrown the stick away and was flying around the rudder alone, and that he knew that I knew the stick was gone and so it was all right now, whatever happened. So it was like a piece of wood with another piece of wood leaning against it, and she held back and looked at my face. Don't, don't you love me anymore? If you love me, say so. I have told him everything. What do you want to do, Rogers? Will you give her a divorce? Fuck. Uh, baby, I'm... Y you were lying to me. You didn't mean what you said. Oh, God, what have I done? Nicole, there's a right time for everything. Then say what you tell me when we're alone. I tell you, I have told him everything. Everything? Have you told him everything? Has she, Howard? It doesn't matter. Do you want her? Do you love her? Will you be good to her? His face was gray looking. Like when you see a man again after a long time and you say, Good God, is that Rogers? When I finally got away, the divorce was all settled. Hurry, hurry, hurry! Air show will start in just 15 minutes, folks. Get your tickets while you can. The daredevil walk with death. See it now, folks. He may not be here tomorrow. Hurry, hurry, hurry! Monahan! About time you showed up. Did you forget about the special today? We got 25,000 people out there waiting. Special? No. Well, I told you about it. Did you forget? I came out to get my stuff. What do you mean you came out? We got a show starting in 15 minutes. Listen, I gotta go up with somebody else. Rogers and me, were finished. What the hell are you talking about, Buck? I ain't got anybody else. Jonesy went off and left me, so it's you and Rogers. Get your suit on, boy. We ain't got much time. Here's Rogers now. Hello, Buck. Look, I told him. I don't think it's a good idea we go up together. Why not? Yeah, why not, Buck? Ask him. I ain't got time to ask him. If he agrees to fly you, will you go up? Are you nervous all of a sudden? Yeah, sure. I'll go up. You'll fly him, won't you, Rogers? Sure. Like always. Fifteen minutes, boys. We got people paid good money. Now let's put on a show! <laughs> I guess you got me now, huh? You knew last night Jonesy was gone. It'd be just me and you. No chance for me to switch. Suck me in, didn't you? That's why you were so mealy-mouthed last night. You bastard. You got me now, haven't you? I don't know what you're talking about, Buck. Sure, that's a good one. A good one on me. Take the stick yourself. I'll do your trick. Huh, have you ever done it before? No, but I can as long as you fly her, right? Bastard. You feel good. You got me. Come on, grin on the outside of your face. Come on. Where are you going? I'm getting in the front seat. I'll walk the wing today. No, you don't. Hey! Hey! I'm not gonna hit you now if that's what you want. Wait till we get down again. No, because I want to hit back once. What are you waiting for? Get that plane moving! Now! Alright, let me have your shoes, will you? I haven't got any rubber soles out here. Take your seat, damn it. What the hell does it matter? Guess I'd do the same in your place. There was a fellow in my squadron back in the war. I didn't like him and he hated my guts. Alright. One day he got me out of a tight jam when I was caught ten miles over the lines with a blowing valve. 
When we were down, he said, Don't think I was just digging you out. I was getting a hun and I got him. He cursed me with his goggles cocked up and his hands on his hips, cursing me like he was smiling. But that's all right. You're each on a camel. If you go out, that's too bad. If he goes out, it's just too bad. Not like when you're out on the wing and he's at the stick. And just by stalling her for a second, or ruddering her a little at the top of the loop, you're a dead man. There they go, folks! Heading up to 3,000 feet for Mr. Wingwalker and his dance of death as he holds on for a loop-de-loop. I took chances that day that I'd never taken before, chances you can't see from the ground. But every time I did, the ship was right under me, balancing me against the side pressure and all, like he and I were using the same mind. What are you doing? Playing with me? Come on! Now you got me? Where are your guts? Shut up! Stop being crazy! Go ahead! It'll look like an accident! Go on! You wanna jump? Jump! No, no! You're gonna have to do it! Go on, you yellow-bellied son of a bitch! Come on! You wanna die? Be my Come guest! Come on! Shake that wing a little! I'll go off easy, see? I was a little crazy, I guess, the two of us up there, yelling back and forth at one another, and all the little bugs watching and waiting for the big show, the loop. I was a little crazy. You know how it is, how you want to rush into something you know is going to happen, no matter what it is. I guess lovers and suicides both know that feeling. You want it to look all right, eh? level ship wouldn't look so good, would it? All right, let's go! All right, ready! Ready! Then he gunned her, and the ground began to slide back under the nose. I waited until it was gone and the horizon had slid back under too, and I couldn't see anything but sky. Then I let go one end of the rope and jerked it out and threw it back at his head and held my arms out as she zoomed into the loop. I wasn't trying to kill myself. I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about him. Trying to show him up like he had shown me up. Give him something he must fail at, like he had given me something I failed at. I was trying to break him. We were over the loop before he lost me. The ground had come back with the little colored dots, and then the pressure went off my soles, and I was falling. I made a half somersault and was just going into the first turn of a flat spin with my face to the sky when something banged me in the back. It knocked the wind out of me, and for a second I must have been completely out. Then I opened my eyes and I was lying on my back on the top wing, with my head hanging over the back edge. I was too far down the slope of the camber to bend my knees over the leading edge, and I could feel the wing creeping under me. I didn't dare move. I knew if I tried to sit up against the slipstream, I would go off backward. I could see by the tail and the horizon that we were upside now, in a shallow dive, and I could see Rogers standing up in his cockpit, unfastening his belt, and I could turn my head a little more and see that when I went off I would miss the fuselage altogether, or maybe hit it with my shoulder. So I lay there, 
with the wing creeping under me, feeling my shoulders beginning to hang over space, counting my backbones as they crept over the edge, watching Rogers crawl forward along the fuselage toward the front seat. I watched him for a long time, inching himself along against the pressure, his trouser legs whipping. After a while, I saw his legs slide into the front cockpit, and then I felt his hands on me. See, Rogers and I, well, we'd been through the same thing, see? We'd both been flyers in the war, and we'd never been the same since. But we'd been young then. Good Lord, I used to be young. I remember Armistice Night in 18, and me chasing all over Amiens with a lousy prisoner we had brought down that morning on an albatross, trying to keep the frog MPs from getting him. He was a good guy, and those damned infantrymen wanting to stick him in a pen full of SOS and ginned up cooks and such. I felt sorry for the bastard, being so far from home and licked and all. I was sure young. We were all young. I remember an Indian, a prince, uh, an Oxford man, with his turban and his trick major's pips. You're all dead. You're fighting the war. <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? Don't ask me, ask him. You will not know it, but you're all dead. With this difference, those out there in the front, in the trenches, do not care. And you, you do not know it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here. I want to get drunk. <laughs> Something else he said about breathing for a long time yet, some kind of walking funerals, catafalques and tombs and epitaphs of men that died on the 4th of August, 1914, without knowing that they had died, he said. But I wasn't quite dead while I was lying on the top wing of that standard and counting my backbones as they crawled over the edge like a string of ants until Rogers grabbed me. Ah, uh, oh, all right. Get in that seat and stay in that seat till we're on the ground. Aye, aye, sir. Good gosh, Rogers. Monahan. Are you all right? Good God. Yeah, yeah, we're all right. Good God, what a show. If you guys can do that every day, we'll make a fortune. Come see me tomorrow. We'll talk it over. <laughs> what a show. Monahan, before we say goodbye, here, it's a letter from her. If it matters, it's the first. It doesn't. You gonna read it? I'm kind of curious what it says. Don't be a fool. Pick up those pieces and read what she says. You were a fool up there today, and now you're doing it again. Goodbye, Rogers. Good luck. And that's all. They've got a kid now, boy of six. Rogers wrote me at the last address he had, and about six months afterward, the letter caught up with me. I'm the kid's godfather. Funny to have a godfather that's never seen you, and that you'll never see, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry it turned out that way. Don't be. But you could still go back to flying. Yeah, sure. Walk me back across the street? Sure, let's get out of here.
Will I see you again? Maybe. When you get the urge to move. Send me a postcard. Maybe I will. Hey, thanks for lunch, and uh, good luck, will you? Doris, we're letting Mr. Monahan go. Send him to the cashier. Keep it, Doris. Buy something nice, huh? The story Honor bears a theme common among writers of Faulkner's generation. Ex-Marine pilot and author Douglas Day. He had this notion, as Fitzgerald did, as Hemingway did, that World War I had really psychically crippled everyone who went over and got in it in any way. And for Faulkner, this meant especially that the pilots had, because they were in a much more lethal, death-dealing kind of warfare than even the people in the trenches. Uh, there's also something else, and that is the, the romance that he had with aviation for a long time. Uh, although he didn't get to fly in the Royal Air Force in Canada before the war ended, he did become a private pilot and told people from time to time that he'd done a lot of barnstorming and acrobatic shows, which he never did. The film Barton Fink offered a caricature of Faulkner in Hollywood showing him a constant drunk living with a mistress who did her best to keep him sober. In fact, Faulkner did have a long-running affair in Hollywood with one of Howard Hawks' assistants, Mita Carpenter. But his sense of honor would prevent him from breaking up his marriage to Estelle Oldham Faulkner, his childhood sweetheart. Douglas Day has written a biography of Malcolm Lowry, author of Under the Volcano, and a man whose use of alcohol was legendary. Day believes Faulkner stayed away from drink when he was working. I think that somebody like Faulkner might have primed himself for writing, but I think when he was writing, he let it alone. When he finished a book, he would go into a real state of fugue and lock himself in some room somewhere with a couple of bottles, and no one would see him for three days, and then they would haul him out and send him off to Bihalia or someplace like that to, to dry out. The author of such classic books as The Sound and the Fury and Light in August was a shy, very self-protective man whose art was the center of his being. I have a strong feeling that Faulkner only really lived while he was writing, and if he wasn't writing, he was utterly wretched, I think. I think that even applied to being out hunting and everything. I think he was only really happy when he was writing, the hard work as it was. Like Shakespeare said, the labor we delight in, physics, pain. He, uh, he sweated a lot getting that work out, but he really enjoyed doing it. I think it's the only time he ever really enjoyed himself in his whole life. Faulkner had proved he was not only an author capable of writing complex novels, but a man with a natural gift for telling stories. Producing narratives of an astonishing richness and variety, he was a writer who remains both timeless and immortal. This is Stacy Keach. Thanks for joining us in celebrating Centennial Faulkner. The dramatization of Honor was adapted and directed by Robert Clem. Original music score composed and performed by Donald Stark. In the cast were Campbell Scott as Buck Monahan, Hope Davis as Nicole and Miss West, Michael O'Keefe as Rogers, 
Leo Burmester as Waldrop, Guy Boyd as the owner of the Flying Circus, and J.R. Horn as Reinhardt. The program was recorded at West Track Studios in New York City by David Cohen and Emile Dave, with additional recording at Pacific Ocean Post in Santa Monica, California. Studio sound effects by Arthur Miller. The program was mixed by David Rapkin. Program advisors include James B. Merriweather, John T. Matthews, James Ferguson, Doreen Fowler, Hans Shea, Joseph Blotner, and Judith Wittenberg. Special thanks to production advisors Anne Blythe Merriweather and Everett Frost. This program was made possible in part by grants from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the Southern Humanities Media Fund, the Blunt Foundation, the Virginia Foundation for the Humanities and Public Policy, the South Carolina Humanities Council, the Mississippi Humanities Council, and the New Jersey Council for the Humanities. The program was produced by Robert Clem and is a production of Radio Action Theater and the Foundation for New Media.